Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So before we get into this week's podcast, I just want to say, I feel like I've fallen in love with doing this podcast all over again. I think around episode 190, we took a break from the podcast and I was honestly thinking, should we still do the podcast? Don't get me wrong, I I loved it, but I found it hard to fit in with my other commitments and... I didn't feel comfortable doing solo episodes and yeah, I just wasn't sure do people want to come on and I was just really, really down to myself. So we took a little bit of a break and then we come back and now we're in episode 240-ish and I absolutely love it. I count myself so incredibly lucky that I get to speak to incredible guests. They're all so different and that's what I want the show to reflect, all of the different personalities and facets of healthcare. So in this week's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Laura Tomlin, who is a director at Arden's and heads up Arden's manager. In this episode, Laura gives us a fantastic leadership and management masterclass. Every now and again, a guest will come on. It takes me back to when I did my MBA in leadership and management in healthcare. And don't get me wrong, it was amazing. But I wished they had taught me some of the things that Laura had shared in this podcast when I did my MBA. So she gives real practical leadership and management advice. Laura shares with us her framework for helping to manage feature requests and take on the feedback from her clients. Laura's currently working with a coach and she shares some of the things that they have been working through together. She talks us through what a board meeting looks like at Arden's. She talks us about the sort of quality she's looking for when she's looking to hire a member of her leadership team. And Laura also shares with us kind of what she does to help wind down, plus so, so much more. I absolutely loved it. I really, really did enjoy it. It's one of those episodes I'll definitely go back and listen to again. Laura touches on her age, and I say she's young in air quotes because I don't like to focus on people's age or that she's a woman in business or that she's a woman in tech. However, I think it's really important that a young female looks at Laura and thinks, wow, she's amazing. And if she can do it, I can do it. So I really, really love this episode. And all I ever ask each week is if you like it, if you could just share it with one other person, that that would be fab. The podcast is going up and up and up through the charts. So 
my love for the podcast is also demonstrated in the fact that you guys are loving it and sharing it as well. So thank you so much and enjoy. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me join on. My pleasure, my pleasure. So would you be able to share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do today? My name is Laura Tomlin. I'm a director at a company called Arden's. Arden's contains two products. So we've got Arden's Clinical and the specific company that I run is Arden's Manager. Arden's Clinical contains a wide range of tools to support GPs, but specifically orientating around clinical decision support. So when you go to the doctor, when you go to the GP, they set in front of you, hopefully an Arden's template, and that assists them to record the correct data into that patient's record. And we've been running Arden's Clinical for about 10 years now. We've got about 86% of GP practices using it, so a large proportion of England. And the important part of Arden's Clinical is that because data is entered correctly into the patient's record, it means that we get really good quality data in. And then when it comes to extracting that data and reporting on it, that we get good quality data out. And that's essentially where Arden's Manager comes in. So historically, GP practices or PCNs use spreadsheets or pre-Arden's Manager at least use spreadsheets and different means to collate their reporting requirements or they might not even know how well they're performing against certain areas within primary care. Arden's Manager extracts that data out of the GP practices systems, plugs it into various different dashboards, and that essentially enables them to see how well they're performing, whether that's at GP practice level or PCN level, whether it's for a specific national contract that the NHS have rolled out. And it's been really popular and widely adopted over the last few years. We've got just over 3,000 GP practices using it, nearly 50% of England again. And yeah, hopefully it's making a, a massive impact to those PCNs and practices in terms of monitoring their data. So what did you do before you founded Arden's or started working for Arden's? I basically started at Arden's as a work experience student. So I literally came on for one week and my interest was in HR and nothing really to do with healthcare or this kind of area of work. And basically at the end of the week of work experience, Rob, the CEO, sat me down and said, look, we want you to come back. We want you to head up the HR team in Arden's. I remember going back to my family at home and them saying you can't really set up an HR team for a company with 10 people in it that's ridiculous but it didn't really matter to me I saw the vision of the company I saw the direction that it was heading in and it was really exciting opportunity for me so about a few weeks in I basically turned around and said I've looked at all these HR platforms within broadly not specifically within primary care and said actually I'd really want to give it a really good go to develop our own HR platform and obviously that's where my interests lay but Rob really wanted to develop a BI solution so a data analytics platform so we said okay let's piece together those ideas and see where it goes and for the first few years Arden's is very much a side piece Arden's manager this is alongside the core Arden's business so it was very much ad hoc hours and my main focus was obviously on HR, but also supporting the business in an administrative role. I developed the company's CRM, which is called NAC, and that's basically built off a zero code app, which I taught myself. From there, you can basically prototype lots of ideas as well. So I prototyped a lot for Arden's Manager on there. I taught myself how to basically design using a software called Adobe XD, 
you start off from PowerPoint and you kind of evolve into various different softwares as, as we move along. So start off from PowerPoint design, then taught myself XD. I love the creative element of what I do. It's something that I've always done. I've designed all of the dashboards for Arden's Manager myself and I've always really enjoyed doing that. So that's basically the start to my career at Arden's and started that work experience piece straight after university. So very fresh to the industry. We then continued to develop Arden's Manager. We launched it in beta about a year after we started developing it. And again, very much a side piece of work. Not really sure where it's heading, but really believe in what we're trying to do. So we launched it in beta. And then about a year later, COVID hit. And I was really, really keen to do something to respond to COVID. And I think we all were. We were all sort of sitting there saying, how best can we help all these primary care organisations going through everything that they are going through? So we spun up and we spun up a COVID vaccination dashboard relatively quickly with the kind of corresponding reports. And for those who know, the COVID vaccination programme was targeted at PCNs to deliver that. So they all had to work together and it's sort of the first collaborative big piece of work that they had to do. And I very distinctly remember when we first released the COVID vaccination dashboard, we sent out a big email and just sitting at my desk and being like, yes, this is awesome. We've massively done something to assist with the delivering of this programme. And that's really where Arden's Manager really kind of kick-started in terms of, of the growth as a response to that. We then developed COF and Network Contract Des dashboard and then we kind of saw continual growth. So I definitely agree with the company. I pitched that kind of initial idea and we ran with it and, and kind of evolved and grew with the company and was made a director about a shareholder two years ago when we decided to basically take that product to market. How would you describe your personality in like three words? Well, that's a good question. Definitely passionate about what I do. One of our core values across Arden's is just always providing the best tools for people and being really passionate about being able to deliver that. I'm definitely quite obsessive. I love (laughs) obsessing over detail about even if it's kind of an email being sent out to a practice or a PCN, making sure that we've got the right structure in place. So being obsessive about about the detail and yeah, I'm probably creative. And I mentioned that earlier, talking mm. about the the design aspects and being quite particular and really enjoying putting together those designs, looking at the user experience and yeah, the user interface that ultimately the, the practices and the PCNs are going to be looking mm. at. I would say, so when we last, we've met each other once in person, it was at Best yeah. Practice. And for my yeah. listeners, we saw each other and she was like, have a look at this dashboard. And she showed me the laptop. <laughs> look at this, look at that. So I think that epitomizes what I have seen. The words you've described to yourself is what I experienced. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Have you ever launched or tried anything at Ardent and it's been a complete flop? I don't think so. And if we have, it's sort of been the first step and we've kind of continued I can't think of anything off the top of my head but everything we do is with a purpose and responding generally to the feedback of our practices and I think that's the benefit the Arden's clinical product having that 86% market share you've got that platform to really bounce off ideas and understand the needs of practices and make sure we're always delivering on something that is definitely a requirement and you're not kind of going off on a whim and producing something that's not going to be needed How do you know what feedback to listen to and what not to? 
if you've got that many practices using it, that's amazing. You can't act on everybody's bit of feedback. So how do you decipher actually there's something here or actually that's just that person's personal preference? So a lot of the the feature requests that come into Arden's, the manager inbox, we basically assess with the product team. So we assess it against the reach of that that particular feature that wants to be developed. So how far is that gonna is that gonna hit all our clients? Is it gonna hit a local area? The impact of that new feature that might be coming on board, is it gonna be something that's gonna be completely critical to PCNs or to GP practices? And the confidence we have that we're going to be able to deliver it and also the effort that's going to go in to actually deliver it. Is it going to be a six month project? Is it going to be a one week project, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always taking on board the feedback, but making sure you appropriately prioritize it and score it. So we know, okay, what's the next thing that we can jump on? And just before we started talking, just saying that in the NHS, depending on your service or your product that you provide, if the NHS turns around and says, we both work in primary care networks, the DES has changed. So mm-hmm. we had this long list of impacts and investment fund indicators. All of the networks we work with use Arden's manager. It's like fantastic. And then it's like, oh, it's reduced down from 38 to five. Yeah, down to five. So then the question is, do we still need Arden's manager? But the bigger question is, for anybody listening to this podcast and your service is heavily weighted in the NHS and then all of a sudden they change, how do you manage that change? Good question. And we're definitely in a time of uncertainty across the whole of primary care as a result of the GP contract update letter that came out a few weeks ago. Important thing for us is to make sure we communicate with our users and give them that certainty that we are dedicated to and completely focused on providing them with the tools to be able to continue working and monitoring the network contract does. So obviously the changes, the reduction in the IF indicators, the movement towards focusing on improving access and appointments across PCNs, and also reporting on things like the additional roles reimbursement scheme. So Those are our two priorities now. And actually, they've always been part of our roadmap. They've always been part of what we are wanting to tackle next. But making sure that we're always acting and responding in the interest of the GP practices and the PCNs from the bottom up instead of the top down is always what's going to drive us. And ultimately, making sure we're going to be improving patient care. And that's kind of the single measure of success that we go by. What is your personal measure of success? So you might see sales, the dashboard may have gone up, but mm-hmm. what is the thing that makes you think, yes, I've done a good job today or this week? Yeah, and I sort of referred back to it when talking about my journey. So when we launched that COVID dashboard, vaccination dashboard, it's that feeling inside when you're like, yes, I'm producing an amazing product, which is going to have a good impact across all these areas. And we are doing it on behalf of the practices. So it's not sales. It's never been sales for me. It's always been nailing the product and making sure we're providing the best products that we can to support, really. Everyone's got competition. Why would they use Arden's manager and not another similar product? What is it about Arden's that you would say we are the best at because of X? Yeah. Good. Another good, good question, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's like a job interview, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so 
So, you know, the really important thing, and again, coming back to the first thing that I said about who and what I do and who I work for and work with is the core clinical systems. So having Arden's Clinical there, knowing that the data is going to be correctly entered into the patient's record. But not only that, we've got the standardization of resources. So we've got the template, we've got the reports within the clinical system, and then we've got this dashboard. So we've got that nice flow and nice end-to-end solution that can be used. And that's really, really important because if you're looking at a dashboard worth of data as a practice or a PCN, and say the ICB also has an account, they're looking at their data from a completely different perspective. There's that trust that the data that you're looking at is the same as the data that they're looking at. And we see it time and time again, ICB presents a dashboard worth of data to the PCNs and the PCNs or the practices look at it and say, hang on a second, that's not a true reflection of you know, how we think we're performing. So basically that standardization of resources and making sure that the practices and the PCNs are able to identify patients that is reflected on that dashboard and then go back to the template and making sure that the data is being recorded in the right way is, is the reason why practices go to Arden's manager really. It's because of the Arden's brand and that complete solution that we can provide. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. When the opportunity came up to become a director and a shareholder, did you go, absolutely, yeah, I'm kind of doing the job already? Or did you think, oh, was it a surprise? Like, how did you feel when you've earned that opportunity? I actually, I expressed that this is what I wanted and the direction that I wanted to be going in. So, it, no, it wasn't a surprise. The company was just taking off. I really wanted the opportunity to be a kind of a bit pivotal part and essentially run that side of the company with the product, which is what I do now. So really chuffed. I appreciate I'm young. This is my first real experience of working in a startup as well. How young are you? Don't make me feel like a grandma. I'm 28. So okay. when I became a director, I was just 26. I did a webinar the other day and somebody said, if you're young, if you're in your yeah. 20s, how do you get your peers to look at you, you know, like as a director? So where you've yeah. just said, I've written down, you've said, I expressed what I wanted. What did you say? How did you express what you wanted? I basically said that this is my vision. This is where I see myself, my personal vision, my goals that I want to be achieving. And I would like to understand whether you are aligned on that vision of my career path, really. And once that seed is kind of planted and you've got that resilience and that persistence and that, like I said earlier, that obsession with what you do, 
I mean, hopefully the rest of my team and the rest of my the other directors feel like I've deserved and earned where I've got to and, and respect that. But I definitely coming right back down to it. If you don't ask or you don't have those conversations, then you can't really expect for anything to fall on your lap. But similarly, if you don't have the resistance to keep pushing and keep going for those things that you want and those goals that you want, then you're not going to not going to get there. Nothing's going to come straight to you. There's certainly a bit of luck in there. But but yeah, you probably have to drive it. If they had have said no way, would you have left? No, I believe in the product. That's what I properly believe in. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. It depends on the consequential opportunity that would have presented but stick by the product, stick by what I feel like I'm good at and the value that I can deliver. Somebody asked me a series of questions the other day and one of the questions was around how do I manage the stress of like a busy job? And Mm -hmm. I said, I meditate lots and I exercise, (laughs) I exercise (laughs) even more. How do you manage the day-to-day stress of being a director? A lot of it comes down to empowering the team giving the team the tools to be able to make their decisions that you don't need to be involved in. I've transitioned the company from a team of just myself where I was doing absolutely everything and that's when you're in control over everything but it's just unsustainable. And I've been working with a coach over the last six months, once a week, have an hour sit down and just go through everything and he's really been assisting me with dealing with that leadership change and that empowerment and essentially dealing with the busy and hectic day and making sure you don't take all the pressure on yourself and you're able to delegate appropriately. So now we've got a team of 30. I have a great set, a brilliant set of of team leaders. We meet on a a weekly basis. We have a Arden's Manager scorecard. Each department has a number that they essentially focus on. That number is either red, amber or green, a bit like cough or the IF, to indicate where we are in terms of either performance or volume levels. And we sit down, we go through that scorecard and straight away I can say, right, okay, this is the current state of play. This is the teams that you need help with at this point uh, in time and really can give my focus on that. So having the right team structure is just completely and utterly fundamental and having those people that you can probably trust to deliver your vision or your the, the work that you want to deliver. And how do you manage your well-being? So you've got a coach, you've grown your team, you've got team leaders, you've got a scorecard, you've delegated, but how do you manage your own stress or does that take care of it? So at the end of the day, if you've had a really crap day, how do you manage that or does that not happen? So just to add to complications, I've actually recently got engaged. So my... It's not a complication. As in <laughs> complication, my stress levels, potentially. <laughs> complicated stress levels. Um, so recently got engaged. So it's a distraction. It's a way to switch off and say, okay, we've got something next to focus on. And that is wedding planning. And that is another beast in itself, I think, for sure. I play netball. I'm part of a netball team and I also do ballet once a week and I've actually been the same ballet teacher for the last 20 years so she definitely knows when I'm stressed and when I'm not stressed and doesn't pick on me when (laughs) she feels like I'm under pressure. Um, I've never met a ballet dancer before. Not Not, no. That's amazing. Yeah I love it I've always done it done it all the way through my life really. One constant I think. And is that a non-negotiable? So no matter how busy things are, or will you go, do you know what works too busy? I'll cancel it. Or do you, within reason, do you tend to go? I've definitely been better. 
I used to be a lot more strict with myself. I think it's been a really busy year, tripled our client base in the last year. And that comes and brings its own pressures with it. So I've been better, but at least netball or ballet, I try and do once a week. But realistically, it doesn't happen. What position do you play at netball? I'm centre, centre court. (laughs) I'm short, that's why. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes when people come on to the podcast, I will say it's like a masterclass. And I think the things that you have said, I think you come across as a very structured person. And I would put this in the category of I've got an MBA. This is the stuff they don't teach you on the MBA. Like Mm -hmm. this is a really nice, succinct masterclass of how to approach things. And I really, really, really like when I ask you about the feature request, Mm. the, the, the structure that you've put towards that so I would encourage people to really you know like sometimes you listen to a podcast you'll never listen to it again but I would encourage people to come back and listen to this because there's loads and loads of really practical nuggets the next thing I wanted to ask you was around you said the company hasn't experienced any huge failures but what leadership lessons have you learned so you've gone from being one person in your department to now leading a team of 30. How would you describe your leadership style and what lessons have you learned? What mistakes have you made along the way, if any? The business coach that I've been working with, so he actually started off as a consultant. So did a big review of what we're doing across Arden, specifically focused on Arden's manager and gave some feedback. And the work that I've been doing with him as a coach so far has assisted me with having that structure. So doing the one-to-ones, doing the weekly team meeting, having the scorecard, that's completely fundamental. But actually, one of the goals that I set myself this year is to actually really enjoy being a leader, to properly invest in my team and, you know, feel the benefit. And the, I love seeing people grow. I love seeing people put their all into to their work and, and progress. So I think something that I haven't done previously is probably invest enough. But over the last six months, I definitely feel that I've made a big change. Like I said, doing those one-to-ones, having those touching points and providing that structure for the team to feel empowered and to feel comfortable and set in in what they're doing going forward as well. What does a board meeting look like at Arden's? Board meeting, we actually had one yesterday. It's half a day. We each across, so we're, we're making a movement to try and align as much of our processes across the companies as possible so instead of having a training department for one product another product another product we're trying to sort of align the vision and the strategy going forward for for training so each of us report on how well I'd say any recent successes any risks any blockers any board decisions that need to be made for each department and generally that ends up taking a large proportion of of the time and then otherwise it's sort of discussing any other business that might have arisen in the last month so we do the monthly but the main proportion of time is taken up by those departmental updates. And who chairs your board meetings? So the consultant and also my coach is also the chairman so yeah so he, he does a brilliant job of chairing the meetings and it works really well. And when you mentioned that you go through the departments how many departments do you have? So I obviously run every single Arden's manager department, but I also mentioned again back at the beginning of the the podcast that I run the CRM, so our customer relationship manager, and that's also 
the HR tool. It's um, the for EMIS users who are listening. It's the download portal where they go to download their searches is what I've built as well. So a large proportion of, well, less so much now, but previously a large proportion was focused on that. So IT and systems is another area that I lead on. Support across the group sales as well, because Arden's manager's got the most amount of growth um, to be making in comparison to the Arden's clinical product. So leading on that as well. Is there anything that you feel moving forward you should stop doing? Yes, trying to get rid of a few of those, not get rid of, I still want to be involved. I love being involved, but I appreciate that there's only so much you can stretch the rubber band across various Mm. different areas before it becomes totally unsustainable. It depends on where we move and who we can get on board as those senior managers across the company who are going to kind of relieve that and probably run with that strategy for that team. In regards to recruiting leaders, what are you looking for? Like if you could sum it up in like five key qualities, what sort of personality or trait skill set would complement your passion, obsessiveness over the detail and the creativity? Proactiveness, definitely. To come back to structures, we look quite a lot at called task level maturity. So whether someone's approaching you and saying, okay, I've identified this as a potential problem or there's a, there's an issue here, this is my solution. Instead of someone coming to you and saying, okay, I've got this problem or how do I respond to this and expecting you to kind of respond. So having that task level maturity where you can come and say, okay, right, identify the problem and here's the solution. Are you okay with it? Okay, great, let's go. That And that ties in with proactiveness. A passion and love for what we're doing and that underlying value of improving patient care and building the best product possible product but I think ultimately it depends on the role in terms of they're, they're my idealistic core elements but you know if you're recruiting we've just recently hired a head of commercial um you're going to be looking for different traits in that person to someone who's delivering training or someone who's on the support team If somebody approached you and said, what would be your three key pieces of advice to develop their career in a health tech environment, what would you say? Always be learning, always be looking for new opportunities to improve. So I've done a HR diploma, did that my first few years of Arden's, because as I said earlier, I wanted to pursue down that human resources route currently learning to code at the moment so I can better understand the issues which the developers that we work with are going through that's really important to me but also being confident in your ability to talk about the NHS talk about the the problems that are being faced and have that technical knowledge of things like the network contract there's and the IIF so definitely learning resilience so again I always say to myself if I'm dealt with a tricky situation and I respond in a certain way. The next time I experience that situation again, I'm responding in a better way. So always having the ability to reflect on that response, whether it's emotive, whether it's not actually thinking about the proper detail, having that retrospection, going back to what happened and why and how did I react definitely looks to kind of improve that resilience. And then finally, I said it earlier, if you don't ask, don't get. Okay. So <laughs> definitely put forward what you're wanting, pitch that presentation, speak to the people that you want to speak to. But if you don't have those conversations, then you can't expect progression or movement in whether that's your career or whether that's your product. 
if people want to find out more about Arden's Manager, where should we send them? We have our website, ardensmanager.com, and there's a contact form on there, and that will go through to the relevant teams. Of course, you can always email me directly if you want to, and that's laura at ardens.org.uk. And we've got three fantastic Facebook groups, which have, I think, the, the Arden's Emus one has about 6,000 people on it. So the Arden's manager's got about 2,000 users on it. And that's a really great forum for asking questions, raising any support requests, or just getting any feedback on products as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Very welcome. Thank you. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.